Good morning, y'all. It's so good to see you. My name is Carlos. Uh, for those of you um, who may not know, maybe, you know, it's been like 10 months um, that I've seen you. It's been a long time. And so I am the pastor of Reality Church, which is a church that's being planted out of the brook. And so we're planting a church in the South Miami Coconut Grove area in 2021. Wow. The time has come. And as I was thinking about today in, in, in this series, It Matters, I thought about this question of, wow, has there been a time in our generation where having a friend or where friendship has ever been more important? There was a pastor by the name of J.C. Ryle who wrote this. He said, the world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam is a friend. Friendship, he writes, halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Friendship, right? It cuts your sorrows in half. And it doubles your joy. And of course, this past year revealed a lot of things to us, uh, not only as human beings, but specifically in the area of relationships and friendships. Um, Maybe 2020 unveiled to you and to me that some of our closest friendships can stand the toughest of storms. What a blessing it is that, that we pushed Uh, the limits of our creativity to the edge so that we could connect with one another, so that we could break bread, right, with one another, to sit at a table with somebody else after so many different months of quarantine, right? It was a blessing to be able to realize, wow, that, that I have these relationships. But perhaps it also unveiled that there were other relationships that were not as strong as you thought they were. 2020... The weight of it obliterated those one-dimensional relationships that were merely based on affinity, let's say. No longer did you have to keep up in touch, you know, did you have to keep in touch with people that maybe you just, you know, you were part of something that was happening together, but you realized that that friendship just, it could not withstand the force of what was taking place, not only with COVID, but politically, right? The racial strife, all of the different tensions that existed, and that still are here, right? We're still in COVID. So, as you think about what 2020 has unmasked, specifically in the area of friendship, it, at least for me, brings me back to this idea that death, in many ways, focuses the mind, and that's what COVID does, as we have experienced all of these different deaths, And it reminds me of a book that was written by an Australian nurse um, called Bronnie Ware. She wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying, Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And she would take care of patients um, in the final weeks of life for years. And here's what she learned. She learned that one of the top regrets of the dying is this. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Friendship matters. Friendship matters to God, and it should matter 
to you. God designed you. If you're watching online, if you're here, God designed you to be a friend and to have friends. And I use that word, that specific word, because sometimes if you have been to church, um, Christians like to use the word community. Right? And you may have heard, if you've grown up in church, that, man, we've all been designed for community. And that's true. But sometimes we can hide behind that abstraction. And we just say community. But we never experience the intimacy and the love of friendship. God designed you to be a friend and to have friends. Today, my hope is that as we go through this text, that God will... uh, for those of you who may not have those close relationships today, that God will renew your hope that this is possible. That He can actually um, help you to have those relationships and those friendships that, that will matter in the end. That at the end of your life, you can look back and you can say, God, thank you for this love that you allowed me to experience. And for those of us, of course, who have friends, perhaps today this will reorient our minds and our hearts to, to, to helping us grow in what it looks like to love people well as friends. So what, what, does biblical, you know, what do biblical um, friendships look like? Okay, we're going to look at the story of, uh, of, of David and Jonathan, and we're going to start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and take them out. Let the, let the beautiful glow of your Scripture just shine on your face, um, of course, or, you know, if you have a paper copy, I mean, that's incredible. So, uh, verse 1, this is what First Samuel 18, verse 1 says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, this is talking about David, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him. As his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. What a remarkable moment. David is um, considered to be by many the greatest king of Israel. There are more pages written about David in the Old Testament than any other person in Scripture. Right? Of course, outside of God. David, this is the moment when David, if you've heard the story, he kills a giant Philistine by the name of Goliath. Right? He kills him. He's a shepherd boy, comes from the hills. God chose him. He is dragging Goliath's head and his sword into the palace. And it's, this is the moment that we find ourselves in. This is the scene in the, the, the palace. Uh, Jonathan is the son of Saul, okay, who was the first king of Israel. He's the prince of Israel. And it says in the text that in the moment when, when David appeared, that somehow Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. And perhaps, and perhaps it was that, that Jonathan maybe was struck by the faith and the valor of this shepherd boy who by faith took the Philistines head on, right? Maybe, maybe it was that. You know, he somehow ended up taking a giant uh, down with a slingshot. Maybe, um, as you look at the scene, what was surprising to me as I'm reading this text is what Jonathan doesn't do. Think about it. 
He is the prince. He's the heir to the throne of Israel. And in this moment, what Jonathan doesn't do is he doesn't feel threatened by David. Isn't that interesting? He, he, he doesn't compare himself to David. We don't see that in the text. We don't see Jonathan ever intimidated by the great faith that David has. He's not afraid to lose his status as a prince. Instead, you know what happens here in verse 3? This is what the text says. It says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him. Once again, here's this phrase. He loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. And his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Jonathan, here, he is surrendering his, his royal insignia. What, what this means is he's taking off his robe and his weapons. He is essentially telling David, here, you. You are the one that is supposed to have this inheritance. There's an act of love here, of commitment, that, by the way, lasts until, until Jonathan's death. And even, even after his death, if you read the story, we, we won't get there today, but um, David actually adopts Jonathan's son in the end. But this is a sign of giving up position and power. And he renounces his throne and he gives that access to David. So what does that teach us about the nature of friendship? What does it teach us about biblical friendship? Well, number one, friendship requires vulnerability. Friendship requires vulnerability. There's no way of getting around the fact that there's always dynamics of power in relationships. Always. You cannot escape it. Invulnerability is a giving up of power, isn't it? Because what do you do when you're, when you're being vulnerable to somebody? You're giving them a gift. And maybe it's the gift of your story. Maybe it's the gift of a secret. The gift of your thoughts. Right? Vulnerability, the moment you you become vulnerable with somebody else, you are taking your power in the relationship and you are handing it to somebody else. And of course, that's why friendship can be so hurtful at times, right? One of the deepest pains in, at least that I've experienced in life, is the pain of betrayal. The pain of you gave up your power and you granted it to somebody else. And that person took that power and took advantage of it. And yet at the same time, as we look at these relationships in Scripture, as we look at the way Jesus loved us, as we look at how Jonathan loved David and David loved Jonathan, as we look at the life of the disciples, as we look at these different instances of Scripture, we realize that in order for us to be able to love fully, we need to be vulnerable with somebody else. And perhaps you've been hurt in the past. And that's why I mentioned at the beginning that maybe for you today, the next step, the, 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 the most important step for you today will just be to hope, to regain the hope that you can actually build relationships again. Right? To regain the hope for some of you who may have been hurt by the church. 
God, help me to hope again in this family that you've designed. I I read in Scripture, Lord, this is how we were supposed to love one another. God, today I pray you would restore my hope and you would help me to take steps to be vulnerable with somebody so then I can love again and so that I can be loved again. Because friendship, listen, biblical friendship requires vulnerability. I love what C.S. Lewis, the author of those Chronicles of Narnia, you know, he, he, he thought deeply about friendship. No, C.S. Lewis. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. I was, like, I was like, wait, hold on a second. Lord of the Rings? No, yes, that's right. That's right, that's right. He's one of those, one of those guys. Who, by the way, they had a really cool friendship. Anyway, that's, another, that's for another time. But C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. (laughs) Vulnerability places you in a position where you can both be betrayed and you can be hurt, but also... It sets you up to experience love. But it's not enough. Because we've all met that person who is extremely vulnerable. And it's TMI, right? <laughs> too much inf- I'm like, okay, dude, like, stop, right? Too much vulnerability. <laughs> this is too fast. Um, and it doesn't make them necessarily a great friend. Because that's not, there is, that, that's not all there is to friendship. Friendship also, as you look at the story... Biblical friendship is sacrificial. It's one thing to say, I love you. And it's another thing to show it. Jonathan displayed his commitment to David by actually, I mean, this is radical. This is radical. By giving up his power and giving it to David. Even in in chapter 20, listen to what he says to David. This This is the level of commitment and of substance in this relationship. He says, whatever you say, I will do for you. He has so much to lose. He is a prince. Saul, by the way, is persecuting David because he's so jealous of him. Saul is like the perfect example of an unhealthy individual, an unhealthy person who has everything in life. He's the first king of Israel. Even the Bible, like he's like a good-looking, tall dude. That's what the Scriptures say about Saul. He's got all of these things going for him, but he is insecure. He doesn't trust in the Lord. He goes his own way. He is reactive. There's all of these different markers. He's jealous now of David. And here we see a contrast with his son, who doesn't care about his position in many ways. And he's committed to David. And, and if you and I, listen, if we want to experience the joys of friendship and this love that God describes, we're going to have to commit to loving people even when it doesn't benefit us. That takes sacrifice. That takes time, energy, money, commitment, right? Sleep at times. It makes me think about um, January in 2018. I was living in Chicago, in the burbs of Chicago, and I'm driving through that tundra in January. Okay, it is. It's so cold, man. Chicago's cold. Yeah, and it's January, and 
I'm driving at 5.30, it's rush hour. 5.30, by the way, it's like nighttime, you know, in January in Chicago. It, it could be depressing. And then I'm driving, and then one of those wonderful magical forest creatures jumps, leaps out of the road, you know, and it smashes my car. Like, and I'm driving like a little Scion, whatever. It smashes and totals my car in the middle of the road. This is a two-way street. I'm hoping I'm not going to crash against the incoming vehicles in the middle of rush hour. By the grace of God, I'm alone. My family's at home. I try to, you know, handle the car. I don't, I don't know how, you know, it's one of those things that you don't know how everything happens, but I'm safe by the grace of God. And in the moment when I'm standing in the snow, right, two feet of snow, it's cold. I thank God that I have a friend I can call. I call Cassie, my wife, and her phone is on silent. And, and you know what? I forgave her, okay? And we're cool, still to this day. I'm not bitter. Then I call another friend. Thankfully, from the you know, city group that we used to meet in back in the day, and guess what? You know what he did? He took everything that he was doing. He was with his family. He had kids. He had a bunch of things that he was doing. And he drove. And he came out there. And he met me in the middle of the road. And the moment I went into that car with this heat blowing at 100%, it's like I felt the warm love of Jesus. And I'm like, thank you, God, for friends. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you that you took time that you suspended your plans for a moment, that it cost you to come and help me during a time of need. If you and I want to have friendships that are lasting, that are biblical, then we have to embrace this idea of sacrifice. We have to embrace this idea of contributing, not just consuming. And as the story continues to unfold between Jonathan and David, and it essentially spans, you know, from 1 Samuel 18 to 1 Samuel 20, and even, and even more. Here's one thing we realize. Biblical friendship requires vulnerability. It is sacrificial, but it also requires loyalty. There's loyalty. When's the last time you heard that concept, right? Loyalty. Saul was afraid of David Fear is undoubtedly an enemy of friendship, right? Fear of loss, fear of vulnerability, um, fear of what other people may think. And what does Jonathan do in this moment? He's faced with an ethical dilemma. Think about it. In the story, here's the ethical dilemma. Jonathan has a, an ethical commitment to his father. He has a commitment to the kingdom, to his king. What is he supposed to do when he hears Saul wanting to kill David? What's he going to do? Is he going to just say, man, you know what, I've you know, got to obey my father who's also the king and I'm the prince? Or is he going to be loyal to his friend? Here's what happens in the text. In chapter 19, verse 4, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And he said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds have brought good to you. Being loyal to your friends means that you stand up for them when they're not around. 
Loyalty is not just passive, in my heart, I love my friend. Loyalty is active. Your friend is not there in this complicated relationship. Imagine the amount of courage that Jonathan has to muster up to confront his father, and he doesn't minimize it. He doesn't say, well, you know what? We've got to tweak this thing, you know, and let's make some changes, and have you thought about it? And let me suggest to you, no, he says, you are sinning. Let's call it what it is. You have sinned, right? This is, this is sin what you're doing, man. And he's his father, and he is the king. Think about how this can play out in our own lives, in the dynamics of relationships at work. You hear, man, you hear somebody else talking about your friend. And in that moment, you are faced with a decision. Are you going to stand up for them when they're not around? Or are you, you have the choice in that moment to say, you know what, I don't, I don't want any trouble, you know? I just... You know, I don't even know if I'm going to tell them. Listen, in that moment, you have a choice to make. You can stand up for your friend. Stand up for their name. That's what loyalty means. You stand up for your friends. Biblical loyalty, by the way, means you stand up for your friends, but it doesn't mean that you stand up for your friend's sin. It doesn't, a biblical loyalty is not blind. People that stand up for the sin of their friends are often influenced by what I like to call Godfather theology. You ever, you ever watch The Godfather? Godfather theology, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's those notions of loyalty that we have that are shaped by maybe our surroundings, the way that we've grown up, um, that have nothing to do um, with the Bible, right? We're just loyal uh, and because we just kind of have to be in order to survive. I remember growing up in Venezuela. I was, you know, I grew up there until I was 13. And in Caracas, which is the capital city, it could be pretty dangerous. And so your groups of friends, they look like, you have kind of like 15 to 20 friends that you go out with. Right? You don't just go out with like two people down the street because, you know, there's violence. Right? So generally, when you go to a mall or you go to a place, you go with large groups of people. And so these little social dynamics form where, okay, these are my boys. I'm hanging out with them, and if one of my boys does something evil to somebody else, and that person retaliates, guess what happens? Now, I got to retaliate back, even though it was my friend who was a jerk in the first place, right? It's like, no, you know what? It's one of my boys. He got hurt. It doesn't matter that he was evil. Now I got to go do something to somebody else who doesn't deserve it, because I want to keep this relationship. That's what happens in the mafia, right? Not in the Bible. That's like God, Father theology. This is the kind of theology that creeps into our social fabric, our social dynamics. This is, this is how spiritual abuse happens in churches. Where all of a sudden, you know, you, you have a group of people and, and, and a pastor that God uses, and we planted this church, and look at what God is doing, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, but, but if you're not careful, right, like, like maybe... Maybe this kind of theology can seep into the relationships and, and, and now instead of checking people's character, instead of standing up, right, not only for your friend, but to your friend, you begin to allow certain things in the character to take place, right? And something happened with the finances of the church, but you know the pressure of ministry is so tough and they're not perfect people and, uh, you know, um, but look, he preaches so good. 
Uh, and then so, suddenly, you know, you, you saw your friend, and he's having weird, you know, weird relationships with people of the opposite sex. You know, man, I don't think that's healthy for uh, the marriage, but man, I'm telling you, he's got a great vision. You see that Godfather theology at play? That's not what loyalty is. That's not loyalty. You see, loyalty can become complicity. That's not biblical loyalty. Biblical loyalty stands up for your friend when others are not around, and it also stands up to your friend when they're in sin. That's why Proverbs 27, 6, you know what it says? Faithful are the wounds, right, of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, right? True friendship requires that you love somebody enough to tell them the truth. To stand up to be able to say with respect, with care, with love, listen, I'm not going to absolve you of the evil that you're doing. I'm going to come around you and tell you, this is what God says, right? This is wrong. This is right. One of the benefits of friendship is that it increases our self-awareness. Right? Friends, good friends, they, you know, they tell us like, they point out the areas in our life where we fall short or that we don't realize. This is what friendship does. But being a loyal friend, of course, means you're able to point out right, some of the things in your friends that are harming them. So a question for you this morning is, of course, are you, are, are you a loyal friend? Can that be said of you? As you take inventory of your life, think about the ways that Jonathan put the, his neck on the line. For David, loyalty. It is a virtue that is worthy cultivating. As this narrative of the friendship reaches its conclusion, this story ends with this marvelous moment. Jonathan and David, they come up with this signal in order to let each other know that Saul was going to kill David. Here's what they do. They come together, and you can read this in, in the entirety of um, 1 Samuel chapter 20. And here's what they come up with. If you, if Jonathan, if you uh, shoot an arrow above me, then that means I have to flee. I have to leave the city. But if you shoot an arrow before me, that means I can stay. That means I can actually cultivate a relationship with the king. And so here's what takes place in, in in verse 35, we're going to read from there, and I want you to just pay attention to this moment. It, there's, there's such drama in this story. Listen to what happens. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field to the appointment with David, and with him a little boy. And he said to the boy, run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, um, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan called after the boy, Hurry, be quick, do not stay! So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and he came to his master. But the boy, he, he knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Quick interjection here. Friends are able to keep secrets with one another. And Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy, and he said to him, Go and carry them to the city. 
And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from behind the stone heap. And he fell on his face to the ground and he bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another. David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Biblical friendship is built on God. Biblical friendship is not only you know, vulnerable, sacrificial, right? It's not only loyal, but it is built on God. Listen, at the end of the day, the ultimate bond between David and Jonathan wasn't the fact that they were both warriors, though I'm sure that helped, right? Made a connection in the beginning. The ultimate bond wasn't that they both ended up in the same location, even though proximity and geography oftentimes matters in relationships. The ultimate bond in their relationship was this covenant they made before the Lord, was the fact that they both wanted to be men of God. It, it's a covenant relationship. Think about it. Uh, it's this commitment, right, that is unwavering, that is unconditional. Uh, friendship is so good. It's a... Think about this. It's an expression of that covenant love of God that's vertical expressed horizontally in relationships. It's a taste of the kingdom of heaven breaking into earth embodied in a person. It's Jesus' love being felt, right, by a person. How good is it to experience this kind of love? What a taste. Right? It reminds me of that passage in Scripture that, man, you know what? They will know that you know me, right? By the way, that you love one another. It is a sign and wonder of the kingdom of heaven. That love that you have of friendship. Can you think of a friend like that in your life right now? Can you think of somebody that you have experienced this incredible love. It is extraordinary. It is so good. Listen, God wants this for you. God wants this for your life. To experience this kind of love. It's so good that David, when Jonathan and Saul die in the midst of battle, he writes a song. And look at what he says in a song. He says, How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Have you been to me? Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Extraordinary. Maybe that's what Jesus was referring to when he says in the book of John that greater love has no one than this, that he who lays down his life for his friends. It is an incredible love. Christian friendship. Because of course you can, you can have friends um, if you're not a Christian, right? But we know this empirically. 
Uh, we know that you can have sacrificial friendships, right? We know um, that you can be vulnerable if you're not a Christian, right? Uh, we know that you can be loyal if you're not a Christian. What makes biblical friendship and Christian friendship distinct? Well, of course, is that what makes friendship Christian is that you have the covenant love, unconditional love of Jesus in you, empowered by the Holy Spirit to love somebody else completely. In many ways, Christian friendship is the most holistic relationship that you'll have in your life because it encompasses presence, right? Your body, your mind, and also your spirit. It is extremely powerful. When you read friendships and when you read the ancients writing on friendship, you will see them describe friendship in this way, as this incredible love, as this incredible love. And, and, and of course, I, as you think about friendship, what I don't want you to walk away with today is this weight on your shoulders. Like, okay, maybe some of us do need to repent. Like, you've been a bad friend. And, and you need to be like, I'm sorry, God, for being selfish. And, and forgive me, Lord, for just caring about myself. Maybe some of us need to do that this morning, but I don't want you to walk away with now this yoke, this other baggage on your shoulders that I'm like, I'm okay, I, um, I need to be I'm more vulnerable, okay? Um, I, I need to be I'm more sacrificial. I need to be more... And, 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 and then all of a sudden jump on this on this exhausting road, right? Because that's what you can feel. And that's why it's so important that you remember, as you think about friendship, the gospel. The good news of Jesus, that He freed you from the approval of people, right? We are a free people because God came down, right? And just like Jonathan, in a greater way, He took off. His kingly robe, he put on flesh and blood. He humbled himself. He became vulnerable to put an end to the loneliness that we experience in our everyday life and to turn us from being an enemy to now becoming a friend. And because of that Holy Spirit resurrection power that is in us, we can be free, free people to love, right? We can receive the Father's love and give it. And give it in such a way that it is unconditional, that is the unconditional, that it is wise, that it is it has this the, this covenant relationship with somebody else. This is what love, right? The kind of love that Jesus wants us to express, not this codependent love, not this transactional love, not this one-dimensional love, but the full weight of the fantastic, unconditional, powerful you know, chain-breaking love of Jesus Christ. And that's why, of course, the first step in building Christian friendships is building your relationship with Jesus. Jesus calls Himself our friend. But perhaps you've never thought of Him that way. He is our Father. He is our Creator. He is holy. He is our older brother, as the book of Hebrews talks about. He is our friend. You know how you cultivate better friendships in your life? Maybe in 2021 you want to work on something. Maybe today you need to just delight 
in Jesus. To befriend Him as you read His Word, as you spend time with Him, as you enjoy the gift of creation, as you worship Him. There's different ways, right? You can love Him, befriend Him, spend time with Him so that as you receive the Father's love, you can pour that love on other people instead of demanding it. For some of you, maybe you've never experienced that love. And today, Jesus is drawing you to understand friendship with Him, relationship with Him. And I want to pray for you about that in just a moment. So if you're here, listen, the, the first step, if I, I want to give you something practical, right? If you want to be able to experience these kind of friendships, of course, you, you have to invest in the friendship that matters most. That's your friendship with God. Second, I want to encourage you to pray about it. Talk to God about it. If you don't have friends, if today you're feeling lonely, if you've been betrayed, I want to pray. I pray that God restores your hope. Pray that God would give you a friend, that you would be able to start a relationship, right? Trust takes time, right? Pray. pray. Ask Him. He desires that for you. And it is your Father who gives good gifts to His children. Pray about it. And then, of course, lastly, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he wrote that the best way to make a friend is to be one. <laughs> Maybe, very practically, as you step out today, Maybe you can think of somebody today that you can, you, you can bless. And instead of thinking, man, who's loving me sacrificially? Who's doing all these things for me? Maybe you're the person that needs to say, you know what? I'm going to be this. I'm going to embody this because I'm receiving, again, I'm receiving this love. And I want to be able to share it with other people. Where do you find yourself this morning? As you take inventory of your relationships. Where do you want to be in 2021? Friendship matters to God and he wants it for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the love that you have displayed for us on the cross, Lord. Thank you that you didn't just say you loved us, but you showed us. Thank you that you have the power to keep relationships, that you rose on the third day and the tomb is empty. Today, this morning, we sing about that. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, God. I pray for some of us that you would convict us of being selfish, Lord, of being just consumers of relationships, Lord. I pray, God, that we would turn from that so that we can embody the way of Jesus.